Hi, hi, hello, guys. I am Rui, and this is Macabre Ramblings, the first part of an unexpected two parter. <laughs> So hi, if you have listened to the past episode, you'd know that I was contemplating if I should record some episodes to be released all throughout December or I should take like the week of Christmas and New Year off because it's such a busy time for me and my family personally and so actually I leaned more into taking a break and i decided that yep the episode for today would be the last episode for 2021 goodness but then but then i fell into this rabbit hole called a corner inquest and i found the document and this rabbit hole provided so much more information than i thought I would get and so you know me if you have listened to some some of my past episodes you know how wordy <laughs> i could get because i like just taking in information and so uh at the, as of this moment i am kind of three-fourths done with my research and i realized that the data the information it's a lot and so i decided that you know what i'll split this into two part one would be today now if you're listening to it now as at the day that it is released then yep the first part would be now and the next part will be on next week and so this would be technically the last topic for this year but then this wouldn't be the last episode the last one would be next week and yeah so the topic <laughs> i realized i haven't talked about what the topic is and it's already minutes into the episode <laughs> uh the topic would be the mysterious death of phoebe hansjok and this is a pretty notorious infamous case in australia i guess because i have heard quite a number of people and podcasts that talked about her death her very mysterious death and right now i would uh recommend listening to the podcast phoebe's fall because it's a podcast dedicated to this case this specific case and i'm quite sure that they would be able to give a lot more information i mean I'd, i like to take in a lot but i'm not the type that would go in like exhaustive type of data information research <laughs> and so if you want to have something quite like that phoebe's fall is pretty much a good recommendation for this topic and so <clears throat> yes this is phoebe hansjok's mysterious death and first of all let's talk about who phoebe was 
So Phoebe was born. She was born by emergency cesarean section early in the morning on May 9, 1986. It's quite, what it's quite crazy that she is older than me, but she is not that much older than me. And you, I don't know, there's something crazy about talking about cases that aren't too far generation-wise from me because <laughs> it feels like, oh my god, it just happened. And she, so when she was a child, she was very much adventurous. She was a wild child. <laughs> she is very imaginative and she was very physically active as a young girl and she loved nature she loved wild places and especially she loved she loved love love the ocean so compared to me which is i am an introvert she is very much insatiable when it comes to socializing she loved socializing and she was popular at school and she loved her friends and i suppose she has a lot of friends she's uh this is like painting her to be quite the very popular nice adventurous girl and she was athletic and she's also a very fast runner she played basketball in a team with good friends so she was caring she's compassionate she's also artistically gifted and creative and she she, uh, she decided that she would use this creative side of hers because in 2009 she had studied creative arts at the center for adult education in melbourne and she also wrote poetry. She wrote journals. She's the type that writes down in journals. She loves writing down in diaries. She drew pictures. And she hoped to pursue a career in the creative arts. Unfortunately, while well, she is, this is painting her to be quite a talented, intelligent, uh, very friendly woman. She also, of course, has her own like struggles in life and unfortunately these struggles aren't like it wasn't easy for her because she got into drugs at quite a young age she started struggling with alcohol and she and she used this to overcome anxiety so she started leaning on alcohol she became an alcoholic then she suffered from depression but she did take medication she does have a therapist that she talks to and as i talk about the case you'll learn that she does talk to her therapist a lot she's not the type that you know i'm depressed and i'm not going to talk to anybody type of person she does talk to her therapist quite a lot and as i've said she was taking medication and she seeks counseling to assist her in 2009 phoebe was unfortunately diagnosed as suffering from alcohol abuse so she has alcoholism she's not the type to drink alcohol on a daily basis she would actually spend several weeks without drinking and then suddenly have this binge this drinking binge and that's where you see that alcohol abuse is definitely there even if she haven't drank for weeks and actually you think that People that drink a lot would have a lot of alcohol, what do you call this, endurance? Is that a term? But yeah, alcohol endurance. But she was actually very sensitive to alcohol. Apparently when she drank, when she drank, she drank, she drank, 
she would actually quickly and visibly affected by alcohol. So people would see her like quite tipsy already without drinking a lot quite yet. So you're already tipsy. Her mother, Natalie Hansdruck, and maternal grandfather, Lorne Campbell, actually said that she would become physically clumsy just after a small amount of alcohol. And there's also another person that could testify with this, with, with this, along with this. And he is Phoebe's friend, Brendan Hessian. And he was said that it would only take, he said that it would only take two glasses and Phoebe would look affected already. And that is one of her major, major problems in life. But as I have said, even if she is struggling, Phoebe is a very loyal friend and you could always count on her to stand up for you. She also likes helping her friends a lot. She is very protective of her family and she loved her brothers. And out of everyone, she had this very special close relationship with her grandmother and she confided in her grandmother often. And before this incident or death this mysterious tragic incident Phoebe had plans for her life she has something planned on what she would do in the future and this is one of the debatable parts of this case and her plans for her future she desires to travel overseas so she could do aid work in India so this is I have said a debatable part of this case and you'd see why as i talk about the case and so let's go for december 2 2010 which is it feels not back then you know it's already 2021 it's about a decade later but it feels like it, it just happened yesterday 2010 so it feels close so on december 2 2010 at melbourne in the Valencia apartment building around 7 p.m. I have read in the coroner's inquest that it's approximately around 7.06 to 7.09 p.m. I believe. And this is when the concierge of the apartment building had to go down to the garbage room and <laughs> fact, just a fun fact. I listened to the first part of Phoebe's Fall. While I was writing my notes and they kept saying the refuse room and I don't know what the refuse room is so I'm like is this room where you go down and refuse something <laughs> and it kind of makes sense that it's the garbage room because garbage or stuff that you refuse to be with you so refuse room is apparently a garbage room and so the concierge went down to the garbage room at the ground floor. So remember this, the garbage room that the concierge went to is in the ground floor. And the concierge had to go there because there was a fire alarm and she was looking for a broom to sweep up a mess. And in this case, uh, I probably would talk about this later, but the fire alarm happened like twice. I don't know what's happening with the fire alarm, but it's something that had happened twice this day. But I haven't read anything about a fire. So whatever happened with that is that two fire alarms happened on that day. So she had to go to the garbage room. And then she 
you stay key to open the door and just to take note there was only one door to the garbage room and when you close it it would automatically lock so uh, apparently this door was generally locked because of this automatic locking mechanism and when opening it when you have to open it for example you're a cleaning staff you're a concierge just someone that has to go to the garbage room you need to have a key to open the door so the concierge used their key to open the door but the door wouldn't open something was blocking it from the other side and so she gave it a shove like what the heck is blocking the door i need to open the door and so she gave it a shove and then the door shifted a bit and using the uh uh space that was opened she peeked in the room and she looked inside the room and apparently this is when she discovered a body so the body is in a pool of blood among a group of bins garbage bins that had fallen and unfortunately this body is phoebe hanschuk and looking at her body people would eventually uh conclude that she she had fallen down from the 12th floor because her apartment room that she lives with 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 her boyfriend is on the 12th floor of the building she had fallen down from the 12th floor feet first down the garbage chute yep let that sink in see how weird it already gotten <laughs> just just this crime scene or scene of death death scene i suppose you could call it that because people aren't saying that it's a crime scene like officially it's still very much a mystery so yep <laughs> so so that's what looks like happened and this is uh it makes me cringe so kind of trigger warning it's graphic so when you go down the garbage chute there's a compactor there that does things to the garbage that is falling down the chute and the blades in the compactor almost severed her foot ugh, ugh. it's like it's making me <laughs> you know that feeling so apparently when you look around the room there are smears of blood all around the floor and this means that when phoebe fell down the chute and went out the chute with her foot very much almost like severed she was still alive and she was conscious and she this smears of blood on the floor shows that when she was conscious she tried crawling around to find an exit and at first i was wondering like did something happen to her eyes and apparently apparently the lights are closed and so it was pitch dark inside and she wouldn't be able to see where she was going and so she's just crawling around the floor smearing blood all over the place and yeah that's what happened when she fell down the garbage chute and actually while she was crawling or dragging herself she actually went in a clockwise direction 
And unfortunately, doing this, she ended up moving to the far corners of the room before actually ending up near the door. And she made contact with objects while she was doing this, such as some sewage pipes, a wooden handle, presumably for support. Maybe she tried standing up and that didn't work. So apparently, this is just sad. This is just making me sad. This is tragic. But when she got out of the chute and she was uh, disoriented and she was trying to find an exit, when she got out of the chute or she was spit out of the chute, she was actually already near the door. She was no more than a few meters away from the door. But because she doesn't know that, she didn't she wasn't able to find the door immediately actually i have uh searched this <laughs> like tried to make it clear to me because i don't know if you picked it up but the concierge did shove the door and sh she picked peeked in and when i imagine someone peeking in through a door you just uh poke your head through the opening and look around the room and that's when she saw the body. That would mean that there is enough light for her to see the body. If it's pitch dark, I don't know. It's it's make, it's kind of unclear. And so apparently it's actually unclear because there was no evidence as to whether the light in the room was on or not on or off. When the concierge Miss Ozuloop I don't know if I'm saying her name right. Uh, I'll just call her the concierge at this point. And there was no evidence if the light was on or not. And it just kind of like people just concluded that it was off because of the way Phoebe was crawling around the floor. But it's also unclear if her visibility is not good at that time that even if there is light she could not see properly there's no evidence of that either so think of just try to derive of it what you think happened from it but yeah th those are already unclear stuff happening all over the case so actually when they talked about somebody i think he is the manager but he is someone that said that there was a rule in the garbage room that if you close the door you went out and nobody is in there you have to turn off the light there is a rule like that but as i have said there's no evidence if the light is on or off it's just the concierge when she picked in she saw her body and oh i don't know if i have said this already but when she was when Phoebe was crawling around when she was near the door once again she died she bled to death and it's just just so sad <laughs> so when the concierge miss ozulup discovered phoebe on the floor she ran out of the room because same <laughs> i would as well and she ran straight back into the office and so she went into the manager's office and she called the manager mr Giamario then after calling the manager she called triple zero which is 911 or like what, emergency contact i suppose in australia and then somebody called mr basile basil b-a-s-i-l-e basil basil sounds like the herb 
So there's telephone records in the apartment complex and it revealed that the phone call to the manager was at 7.11 p.m. The triple zero call was at 7.13 p.m. and the call to Mr. Basil, Basil Basile was at 7.16 p.m. So basic, uh, basing the facts on the time of the calls, the people inferred that the concierge discovered Phoebe in the ground floor refuse room sometime between 7.04 p.m. and 7.11 p.m. on December 2, 2010. So after that, homicide detectives arrived shortly after that, and this is when the case gets pretty fucked up even more because I'm just gonna say this, alright. I don't think the case, the scene of the crime, the scene of her death, and even her apartment was uh, inspected right, so... Yeah, it becomes muddy from here on because the inspection wasn't done right. And we all know that the scene, the immediate time after her death is very, very important because this is when evidence is fresh and all that stuff. So in the statement to the police, the concierge said that she went to the ground floor garbage room at about 6.35 p.m. or maybe a bit later. So she actually doesn't know what time she went down there in the ground floor. So this made it even more like muckier if what time did they actually find Phoebe down there. So investigation. So within five days, the homicide detectives determined that her death, Phoebe's death, was not suspicious. And they all th thought that this death was of suicide that she committed suicide and they thought this was most likely because she has depression she is alcoholic and she's using drugs and prescription drugs so while the police initially suspected that phoebe had taken her own life the coroner later would rule this a freak accident in late 2010 Talking to Dr. Lynch, a forensic pathologist, they had this opinion that Phoebe entered the shoot feet first because of her injuries, because her feet was very much sliced pretty badly. So looking at the CCTV camera on December 2, there's a footage taken in the foyer of the apartment building that showed her leaving with her dog at 11.44 a.m. So she was okay. And she was just taking her dog for a walk at the morning or noon. She would return a short time later. But that's about almost all about the CCTV footage because the investigators failed to seize the footage from other parts of the apartment building from the night of her death. So, oops. Oof. Uh-oh. One of the reasons why the homicide detectives think there was thinks this was suicide because when looking at her apartment building she has sleeping pills she has alcohol so they think that she was drinking alcohol and drinking sleeping pills together and you know that would fuck you up and after she did that she apparently managed to climb into the garbage chute in a sleepwalk like state and that's how she fell feet first 
the, to the ground floor and landing on the garbage compactor. And this is the ruling of the coroner at first. The coroner actually thought that Phoebe, while she was falling down, managed to control her descent by, I don't know, uh, stretching your hands, your arms, you know, just trying to make your fall not too fast. And that's what the coroner thinks, that she tried to control her fall. But the blade of the machine hit her ankle and that's why she bled to death. But coroner's white, coroner White's, the coroner that was looking at the case, his counsel, Barrister Deborah... Oh my god, how do you say this name? Barrister Deborah Siemensma submitted that an open finding be made, meaning that they should look into third-party involvement and that could should not be excluded like look at it in a way that is open not like not like just okay this is suicide and now let's look at all the evidences that could basically uh prove that this is suicide so the council said that that's not we should do the open finding thing where we we should look at every single option there is as to what had happened to her on that night Coroner White ignored this advice at first, and that's why he delivered the freak accident conclusion. And so, the case was then passed to the local South Melbourne police station, where Detective Senior Constable Brendan Payne was directed to prepare a brief, but Phoebe's family believed that the homicide squad uh, reached a conclusion that was premature, and they don't think that her just put going and slipping into the garbage chute by herself and falling down to her death is what had happened that night. So, one day, the lawyers for the family asked coroner Peter White to hold a full inquest into Phoebe's death because the lawyer said there was sufficient evidence to suspect that she did not commit suicide, but that she had been murdered. So the coroner actually reserved his judgment at that point, and he asked Payne, the detective, for more information about some of the events that occurred in the lead-up to Phoebe's death. And so this data would very this information would be relayed later at the coroner's inquest bullet point. But first let's look at Phoebe's grandfather so actually the family believed that phoebe's death was weird because of her grandfather because lauren campbell at this time a 71 year old grandfather maternal grandfather is a former police detective so his detective skills are like shooting red signals red flags like Something is wrong here. Something is not right. And we should do something about it. So he made an investigation of his own. Like, yay, grandpa. So in his investigation, there were many questions that were raised that there is no, like, official answers to. And some of the information that he has asked police is not there, I suppose. Like, he asked the police about this and the police is like, I don't know. <laughs> so some of the troubling aspects of this case while he was investigating is that also one of my questions at first once I 
heard about this case is how did Phoebe manage to get into the garbage chute feet first when she had been drinking heavily and was thought of has been affected by sleeping pills because that is going to fuck you up and i have searched up a picture of a garbage chute and boy oh boy it was small it is only around 40 centimeters wide and this is only slightly wider than a standard laptop how small is that and there is a hatch that would open only by 22 centimeters and it was small and so because lauren campbell was like how how did she get in feet first thinking that okay she went into this garbage chute feet first how did she do it is this even possible and so he carried out tests with two sober sober and athletic women of a similar size and age to Phoebe, because Phoebe is athletic, they showed that extremely good coordination, balance, and strength was required for these uh, athletic women to independently climb into the garbage chute. And the entrance of this garbage chute is actually more than a meter off of the floor. So it's not something that you can just slither yourself into feet first. You actually have to climb into it. And they were sober. They were in extremely good health. And it shows that they need like balance, strength, good coordination. How does a person who had drank alcohol and very sensitive to alcohol, very easily like clumsy after just drinking two glasses and presumed to also have drunk sleeping pills along with the alcohol how could she go into the garbage chute like that because i suppose you're pretty much fucked up you could you don't have proper coordination she was clumsy when she's drunk so these questions are raised because these this is weird this doesn't make sense so there's also this unresolved question of how her body was able to pass through the garbage chute compactor because that's also one of my questions because personally i am not knowledgeable about compactors i don't know how they work i am not in a apartment building that have the these chutes and i'm not familiar with this so i just thought that yeah okay maybe at first like yeah okay maybe it just severed her foot but then it doesn't make any sense that would mean that the blades is turning in a very slow pattern and how is that going to do stuff to the garbage properly <laughs> how is that her foot is the only one that was severed through that garbage chute and so to uh answer this question Campbell, the grandfather, contacted the manufacturer of this garbage chute, like, hooray, grandpa. And the manufacturer is Neil Bone. And when asked, he told the grandfather that he thinks it would have been impossible for just her feet to be hurt. And the only way that she could have passed through the chute without her body being more badly damaged than it was is that somebody changed the setting of the garbage chute to manual and then setting it back again to automatic. So, mm-hmm, very much raising even more questions as to she could not have, you know, switched the setting like that and then switched it back in, you know, that 
that doesn't make any sense and I don't think that is possible. And another weird thing is that looking at this garbage chute, it is metal, it's steel. You know, the type when you press your fingerprint, fingertips in it, you'll have fingerprints. It just marks all over the steel. And there were no fingerprints found on the outside of the garbage chute. There is no blood. And why am I saying there's no blood? Because apparently... Oh, I haven't written it down here. I guess I'll talk about that later. But the blood part is apparently they found like blood all over the keyboard and the mouse of the computer in the apartment building. I'll talk about that later. I don't know why I don't have that in my notes, but I don't want to disseminate information that I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure I remember right. <laughs> and so in the apartment building, in her apartment in the 12th, 12th floor, there's also two wine glasses weird two wine glasses and these glasses are on the kitchen bench and these were not dusted for fingerprints so the investigation of the police is definitely definitely not carried out thoroughly so they found phoebe's purse at the kitchen bench as well and in her purse there is her security fob because this apartment is luxurious actually you need like a lot of money to stay in this apartment building and they don't use keys they use these security fobs for opening the doors and in her purse she has a security fob and some of her own keys probably a car and somewhere else and these were in her purse police also didn't take her computer or other electronic devices as evidence what the heck and later, when Phoebe's family took them, they discovered that Phoebe sent emails in her email. They were all gone. Uh-huh. And she has two mobile phones at the date of the incident, and one of them was never found. What? <sighs> it's so dumbfounding. So, seeing this, some facts are raised and could not be disputed. And this is that the police had actually never conducted a test using the chute, using a shop dummy or even a mannequin. You know, they weren't curious on what happened. They could have dropped something and watched what happens when you drop it. They never made any kind of test like that. Nor did the homicide squad ask Neil Bone on his own opinion on the matter. So actually... Neil Bone of Wastec Engineering, he became like interested, fascinated by this case and that actually he helped with the investigation when Lorne Campbell approached him. So Neil Bone actually used two of his daughter's friends to see if they could climb into the hatch. So he did his own experiment. And then after that, he manufactured a replica at his workshop to see if women could fit down into the vertical vertical chute itself from the hatch so he is very fascinated interested on what had happened like what is possible what is not possible you know so he even went as far as to build a replica in his workshop so both experiments showed that it was possible to independently go into the chute but it was an act of great physical dexterity. So not 
different from what Campbell, the grandfather, discovered. When he was asked if he had ever seen anything like Phoebe's death, Neil Bone said, quote, No, never, never. And I've been in the waste game for 30 years. Never heard of this. End quote. Neil Bone also said that if Phoebe went into the chute itself, her fingers would actually show some bruising because the door of the garbage chute isn't something that you just open and it stays open. It has this spring thing that closes like quickly. And because that is the door that it has, her fingers would have, and she went down feet first, her fingers would have been there, the last, I suppose, or one of the last one of her body parts that was there last and the chute would have closed into her fingers and it would have shown bruising because she would have been holding on to the garbage chute before she fell because yeah there's actually a video of them doing the experiment i'll put it down in the end notes and oh yeah uh all of my references i have decided i have started to paste them down at the end notes so if you are curious and where i get my information from you could just look at the episode details and they're there i have pasted them there so yep <clears throat> so continuing so yep neil bone said that she would have bruises on her fingers but the pathologist said that there were no injuries to phoebe's fingers in addition this was also a very weird fact in this case when phoebe was found her jeans are around her knees. So it was almost like being taken off of her. It was around her knees. And her mother, Natalie, believes that if her, if her jeans are like that, this would have made her hobble. Because, you know, if your pants are down at your knees, you couldn't walk properly with these. With that, you're going to hobble. You're going to walk like a penguin. And how are you going to climb up? The garbage chute hatch with your jeans like that and you and you are inebriated and you have sleeping pills in you like what neil bowen also said that he believes it is impossible to climb in without leaving any fingerprints on the surroundings so let's go back to lorne campbell the grandfather he did a separate experiment in which a male friend tried to put a woman into the chute when she was pretending to be unconscious so let's see if this is easy let's see if this is possible and let's see what happens after this and there was a video of that and it shows that it was easy you know it was easy just put a, an unconscious woman into the chute and apparently there are two cases of people dying by falling down garbage chutes at the Park Charles Apartments in Baltimore, United States. And I'm saying this because both of those were also described as accidents, but people are still skeptical about it. And however, though, in both those cases, the cases that said they were accidents, the person went into the head into the chute head first. And people said that Phoebe went feet first. So it would have been more possible to imagine that if she went into the garbage chute herself she would have went in there head first you know so you just fall down but she went in there feet first there's there's a lot more coordination and all more complicated stuff 
that would have had to happen if you're going down the chute feet first. So a Channel 9 show under investigation actually delved into this case. And they also conducted an experiment with a replica of the chute in an, another apartment building. And they had a model who was the same age and same build as Phoebe. And she, this model, tried to put herself into the chute multiple times. But she was unsuccessful because it's hard. It's hard to do this. Especially if you imagine the chute isn't easy with opening it. There's a the hatch isn't open all the time and you need a lot of strength it's one meter off the floor there's quite a lot of stuff that you should have so eventually after trying multiple times the model could wriggle herself through the hatch opening uh, but when she fell down her arms were directly over her head because i have said your fingers would probably be the last body part near the hatch when you fell down and yeah, she fell down with her hands over her head. But this is a problem because people think the investigators, the coroner initially thought that she fell down with her arms beside her at her side. So how is that possible? You know, th th that's a very, that's not a thing that could happen. Or I mean, it's, it's a weird thing. How are you going to fall down the garbage chute? by putting yourself there by yourself and have your hands by your sides and yeah that's that's just weird <laughs> so uh there's a retired victoria police detective named roland leg that told the channel 9 program that there is also another problem apart from the dimensions of the door because i have said the garbage chute is tiny it's small and one more problem is that the garbage, the hatch, it closes, you know, and it would jam against your lower back. It would like, you open it, you slide yourself in it, but the hatch shuts and it shuts with force. It's not like you just easily open and close it. It shuts with force, it would shut, it would hit your lower back and it will just jam you in. So you're stuck there. So that's another problem in, you know, putting yourself independently inside the garbage chute. And trying to maneuver yourself is hard because there's actually nothing to grip onto, especially when you're inside because it's just a chute. There's no handrails to grip onto. And people think that Phoebe managed to do all of these while she had alcohol and a sleeping pill called Stillnox. And actually her blood alcohol contact content has three times the legal limit when it comes to alcohol content because so she is thinking about how she's very sensitive to alcohol she's definitely inebriated she's absolutely fucked up at that point man and so campbell the grandfather is also troubled by the fact that phoebe's emails appear to have been deleted from the computer in the apartment and here it is the discovery of her blood on her computer mouse and some elsewhere in the apartment there's a police investigator that said that before she died to explain the blood all over the apartment there's a police investigator that suggested that maybe maybe before phoebe died she may have walked on broken glass and this cut her foot and left blood on her hand and this just sounds like he's trying his very best to give an explanation out of thin air like yeah we have our conclusions we just need to 
get explanations to prove our conclusions and that's not how you should do it and there's actually also a piece of paper found in her jeans pocket and this has a mobile phone number written on it and this was later found to have been registered under a false name things are getting weirder and weirder so the grandfather actually thought that what if phoebe has gotten to know people who are involved in drug trafficking and somehow this phone number is from someone in drug trafficking that's kind of possible you know so in a review of the case that was requested by coroner white senior homicide investigator sol solomon sol solomon or is it solomon i think it's in homicide investigator solomon he said that he found no evidence suggesting that somebody else is involved in her death but in his, in his report he also states that he is puzzled by this saying that this is the first death that he has ever seen like this and that perhaps the answer lies in phoebe taking off the drug still knocks because apparently the drug some experts say can cause erratic and irrational behavior the grandfather though says it is impossible to rule out the involvement of another person which yeah <laughs> i have the same thoughts especially because the homicide squad missed a lot at the start of the investigation and that definitely is not helping <laughs> in the case at all and so he said that they want because of these questions they want an inquest an open inquest we and they are hoping that someone can come forward with investigation and they did and this is the coroner inquest that i have found and it was done on 2014 and in this inquest there's quite a lot of stuff that had been uh discovered and i'm going to talk about i suppose half of them and then i will talk about the rest on the next episode because man there's a lot so let's delve into the inquest data so in this inquest data they looked at phoebe's activities in her computer or you know the logs that the computer does the tasks that it does while it is on and in the inquest they have discovered that phoebe used the computer in the apartment study on the day of the incident december 2 2010 so after an analysis of the computer that was conducted by alexander robertson he is a digital forensic analyst of the victoria police e-crime unit so he said after analyzing that the computer was definitely used by a human in the morning it's not automated and even an app named garage band was running at some point and i have read that garage band is like a music composition app where you can compose music and all that stuff so that was on and phoebe might have been tinkering around in that app in the morning so alexander said that there was then a gap between 12.02 p.m. to noon and 6.18 p.m. in which no computer files was created or written. There was this recorded activity at 2.19 p.m. but it was like an automated thing that had happened. And 
there is no human interaction needed for this to for this file or this activity to happen inside the computer so it's just an automated thing and so that means phoebe or any other human did not interact with the computer the whole afternoon so the computer then started recording files that was created or written at 6 19 pm 7.01 p.m., 7.39 p.m., and 7.40 p.m. So at the files created at around 7 p.m. onwards, it might have been Ant, the boyfriend, to have created the files. Or, you know, he was the one who was interacting with the computer at this point. I don't know about the 6.19 p.m. though. That's an interesting thing. So, looking at the cleaning staff, they have discovered that... The cleaning staff actually works only from 7 a.m. to 12 noon each day. So after the cleaning staff had done their work, it's the concierge on duty who becomes responsible for any cleaning tasks that comes about. That's why the concierge was the one to go down to the garbage room at that time because it was nighttime. And so the cleaning staff weren't around. So they found out... After the inquest that the police did not speak with members of the Metropolitan Fire Brigade because I have said in the start of this case that there have been two fire alarms and in the morning, I think when the first fire alarm had happened, Phoebe had interacted with people from the fire brigade and the police did not speak to them about any further information that could have been obtained for example is phoebe okay is she in the right state of mind does she smell like liqueur did she look like she had drunk something is she of sound mind and all that stuff so detective senior constable justin o'brien and constable claire hawking together with sergeant Grammy forrester they were the ones who arrived at the apartment complex at 7.18 p.m. So I suppose they were the ones who had went and responded to the triple zero call. And then the ambulance paramedics came. Miss Christy Cook, Cook, Cooke, Cook, and Miss Jade Mintern arrived at the crime scene on the ground floor at 7.27 p.m. And this is actually while I was reading this, it actually made me gasp out loud. And I have my dog like sleeping at the floor in front of me. And my dog just got, what? What? Why did you gasp? What had happened? Because as I was reading, I have learned that even if the ambulance paramedics came, no medical examination was conducted by these paramedics to make sure that Phoebe is actually really dead. They did not conduct any examination about this. They just looked at her and, I don't know, thought that she was dead. And apparently no one touched her at that time. Even if the ambulance paramedics were there already, no one had touched her to determine whether she had a pulse you know, maybe she looks like she was dead, but what if she is hanging into that thread of life? No one had touched her. No one had 
looked for a pulse. No one had did any examination. And for me, this is, this is ridiculous. Like, okay, she might have looked dead, but aren't you there to make sure that she is? Aren't you there to give first aid if that is needed and all that of that stuff? What what happened here? And so nobody had shown a light in her eyes because apparently you could shine a light in their eyes and see what because if death had happened i think it affects the eyes a lot first and then nobody held a mirror to her mouth to see if it fogged if she is breathing but very faintly nobody did that the police and miss cook just stated that phoebe at that time appeared to be deceased she just looked dead without any like proper examinations so apparently police did take photographs of the machine the garbage chute at 10 p.m that evening so few hours after the incident had already ha had already happened and in this photo uh it showed a bin the bin into which Phoebe fell and it was lying on the ground because it was tipped over when she fell into the bin. There's other four bins that were still on the machine and they were in an upright position. So they were not toppled over because Phoebe did not fall on them. The police and the paramedics who viewed the room that evening all gave evidence that consistent with the photographs, there were four bins that were standing and one bin was only the one that is lying horizontally on the floor so that's the only one that looks that it was toppled over however when miss ozulop gave her testimony and she is the concierge if you have forgotten she gave evidence that all of the bins were actually lying on the floor when she entered the room and discovered phoebe but the evidence that was submitted it was said that the evidence of the police and the paramedics are the ones who are going to be believed in comparison to Miss Ozolop's statement because they were saying that maybe the concierge was in an extremely distressed state and may have, you know, have problems with recollecting the scene accurately. Maybe her brain had added something more. It may have taken out something else. So the police and the paramedics were the ones to be believed in this case and the concierge actually readily said that maybe she was traumatized maybe sh she did recall wrong and all that and all of that stuff so she conceded so it is not known how long phoebe was moving around the room and nobody knows if she remained conscious throughout the process you know maybe she fell into the chute and she was unconscious for 30 minutes and then woke up or nobody knows if she fell into the chute and she was conscious all of that time nobody knows that for sure so evidence of the observations made by the police the paramedics and phoebe's boyfriend and hempel it doesn't you know make like an official or like a proper conclusion as to how long phoebe was down there in the garbage chute garbage chute in the garbage room before she was found nobody really knows how long she was there and struggling to live and eventually bleeding to death and oh my gosh 
So Detective Senior Constable Justin O'Brien actually said that when he looked at the blood on the floor at 7.22 p.m., the blood appeared to be dry. So for blood to be dry, that would have been, she would have been there for longer than a few minutes. But there was no abnormal smell in the room when the door was opened. So the paramedic, Miss Cook, also thought that the blood was dry when she looked at the scene at 7.27 p.m. But she did say that this was based only on a superficial assessment and this was not reliable because her practice isn't to assess these. You know, she is not an expert in like, is the blood dry? Does it just look dry and all of that stuff? It's just her like personal opinion on the matter. However, when the boyfriend, Mr. Hampel, was asked to comment on whether the blood that he found on the computer keyboard in the apartment at around 6.19 p.m. was fresh, he replied that it was fresh. Yeah, I found fresh blood. He also said that when he returned home the evening, he said that there was this incense still burning in the apartment or it had just been burning recently. So maybe somebody was there. It's it the, the apartment shows signs that someone was there just recently. So looking at the jeans because they were unbuckled and like pulled on her knees and this is very weird. Some people surmise that this is possible because Phoebe might have been the one to try to remove her jeans herself after she was already spit out of the chute in order to help her move around the room maybe it was i i don't understand that maybe maybe she felt like having no jeans on would help her move more but because her ankle is mangled it became too painful to remove them entirely so she just have the jeans around her knees there's another uh theory that it is possible that she tried to remove her belt and jeans in order to stem the flow of the blood. Maybe she tried to use this as first aid, you know, something like press something on the wound so the blood will clot. Maybe she had thought that her jeans would be able to help with that. But the evidence does not enable a definitive finding. To be sure that, yeah, the genes are like this because of that. Nobody really knows the definitive answer to that. So, the people actually found that there were two nails on the floor. And at first, I'm like, okay. <laughs> but uh, the police did not conduct any fiber testing on the nails. And the fiber testing would have been a good possible assistance as to whether the nails caused uh, Phoebe's jeans to be pulled down. Maybe it got stuck in the nails and it got pulled down. It is a possible assistance, but it's very unlikely to be conclusive. So they're just trying to find any reason as to why her jeans was pulled down her knees, because that is weird. But looking at the jeans, there's no puncture marks or tearing on the belt. And that's why it's, that theory was just like unlikely. It might 
be the reason, but looking at the state of the genes and all of that, it's considered to be unlikely. So talking to the concierge once again, Ms. Ozolup gave evidence that when the machine becomes blocked, the garbage chute becomes blocked, it will release this beeping sound. It will beep. And it will also release a beep when all five bins were full of garbage, so it needs to be cleaned. So the manager noted that the machine would beep as a warning when it, when it was about to turn, you know, because the bins are in a carousel, so when one bin is full, it turns and an empty bin is, uh, is placed on the opening of the chute. And when it's going to turn, the machine will beep as well. So the garbage room actually could not be seen from the manager's office because that is where the manager and I suppose the concierge is staying around. So it is not that garbage room isn't seen from there. So in terms of acoustics, they believe that from the manager's office, nobody would be able to hear if a bin fell or if someone was talking, yelling or laughing in the ground garbage room so if phoebe was yelling for help screaming for help or knocking things over the garbage room it the people in the manager's office wouldn't be able to hear her at all so when talked to when asked the concierge and the manager had no recollection that the machine was beeping because there's a problem with it on the day of the event in any event the manager said that he would not expect to be able to hear any beeping so that's why they could not recall any beeping because usually they were stuck in the office and it's not a place that they could hear the beeping from the garbage chute from there so looking now at the sleeping pills so since march 2007 there have been strong warnings on the prescription of Zolpidem due to some significant adverse reactions in some patients. So Zolpidem has been associated with hallucinations, amnesia, oh my gosh, increased suicidality, and parasomnia. And parasomnia is complex sleep-related behaviors. So these parasomnias would usually take the form of automatisms. And this is when the patient is unable to remember when they wake the next morning. This would make them sleepwalk, sleep drive, sleep eat, sleep clean, and various other sleep-related behaviors have been reported. My god! <laughs> so although these adverse events are there, they are uncommon. And Associate Professor Gunja noted that in Korea, 5% of psychiatric outpatients reported that they experienced amnesia or sleepwalking after they took Zolpidem. So Associate Professor Gunja gave evidence that Zolpidem and alcohol, when they were taken together, this would potentially make like impairing effects on memory, balance, and alertness. So in the professor's opinion, the concentration of Zolpidem identified in Phoebe's toxicology report, they would expect that this would cause drowsiness, an impairment of cognitive and psychometer function, 
as well as impaired balance and posture. So now this is like makes you me even wonder like if that is the effect of the pill and the alcohol taken together. How did she really manage to go in the shoot by herself? So the professor said that a definitive conclusion was not possible though because information, more information is needed about Phoebe's alcohol consumption at that time and the dosage of Zolpidem that she took. So the uh, professor said, quote, the issue of acute and long-term tolerance to ethanol makes definitive judgment on the ability to enter the garbage chute with a uh, BAC of 0.16% difficult. However, the added synergistic effect of Zolpidem, Zolpidem with ethanol is likely to have significantly impaired, though not entirely preclude Phoebe's ability to physically enter the chute unassisted. So during the inquest, there are medical experts that were asked about Phoebe's state of mind and in particular whether these combination of substances in her system was such that maybe she sleep did everything that she had done. Maybe she sleep climbed into the chute. So Dr. Odell and Associate Professor Gunja stated that it was not possible to draw that inference from the toxicology report alone. And that is, they could not say from the reported concentrations of drugs in the report that Phoebe was unable to form any kind of conscious thought into the matter. And Professor Drummer, another uh, medical expert, why I hope they were a drummer too. <laughs> I hope they have a hobby of being a drummer. So Professor Drummer said that the combination of alcohol and Zolpidem was such that a person could be asleep or alternatively they were conscious and they were doing things but not well so there's still debate on that because there's not enough information so now we look at the possibility of a death by third party involvement is this a uh, suicide or somebody actually placed her inside the garbage chute so in the evidence says this ra they raised the question of whether phoebe's death was caused by somebody else so the evidence showed that there are bruises on phoebe's body there's the presence of blood broken glass and scattered cushion stuffing in the apartment uh of course the difficulty in physically entering the chute by yourself the security system of the apartment when looked at it was it was complex but it was not impenetrable. It, it is possible to sneak around the security system. So looking at the chute entry hatch, there are these absence of fingerprints or any blood. In the ground floor garbage room, there's a DNA from another person that they had found. And uncertainty as to whether the front door of the apartment, Phoebe's apartment, was locked or unlocked when her boyfriend came home on that evening. And there was also evidence about the setting on the garbage machine and the media release of the police that became relevant to the third party involvement theory. And we'll talk about them like one by one slowly. So looking at the bruises first, 
Dr. Lynch observed that Phoebe had these circular and ovoid, 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 ovoid. Oh, how do you say this? Ovoid, O-V-O-I-D, ovoid. So Phoebe had circular and whatever the word is, shaped bruising on her right medial upper arm, which he described as having this appearance of recent injuries that could be consistent with grip marks. Although certainly not specific, it just looked like that to the doctor. So Dr. Lynch also stated that this bruising evidenced some form of compression, but there could be other ways that she might have sustained the injuries as well. But on one look, the doctor thinks that a very, very tight grip of a hand could have done this grip, done this bruise on her. So Phoebe also had this bruising to her left, left wrist. There's this bruising in the vicinity of her right jawline, bruising to her left and right shoulders, and a bruise to the back of her neck. The latter is Dr. Lynch described as being consi consistent with some form of blunt trauma. So the doctor was unable to determine the age of the bruises though by just referencing to their color. So uh, talking to somebody called Mr. Silver, he was somebody that... Phoebe had met on the afternoon of Tuesday, November 30, 2010. And Mr. Silver said that the bruises might have been from Phoebe, quote-unquote, wrestling with him. Because apparently Phoebe was punching and kicking. I guess she drunk a little bit too much or she's having a breakdown of some sort. But Phoebe was punching and kicking and Mr. Silver had to go and restrain her. So during this episode, he described Phoebe being on the ground. His legs were just across her waist and his fingers were touching the ground because he just he just wants to restrain her, but he he doesn't want to like put too much force on her that would make her feel like she was really getting attacked. He was very adamant that he had never touched Phoebe's neck because she has bruising on her neck. During this quote-unquote wrestling, Mr. Silver said that he had never touched her neck and he did not believe that he touched her shoulders and did not recall touching her upper arms. Although he might have, you know, he might have not touched her, but maybe he had hurt her. He just doesn't know and all of that stuff. Phoebe was, uh, was training against him. She was fighting against him trying to restrain her. But Mr. Silver kept on saying that he was quite careful to not try and hold her in a way that would make her freak out even more because he was already having a tough time with her just struggling around and he was trying to hold her in ways that she didn't she didn't feel too restricted as if someone else was stopping her from moving entirely and that's one like probable reason for her bruises but as kind of like the other evidences this is very much inconclusive <laughs> you know there's no conclusive thing about these so about the blood the glass and the white stuffing in the apartment so as i have said there was blood found in the apartment on the evening of december 2 so the police had went to investigate the apartment observed and photographed blood on the stud of the study doorway approximately around 10 to 20 centimeters above the middle hinge and blood on the computer mouse in the study which is weird <laughs> it's 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 a weird place 
Ms. Louise Brown, a forensic biologist, identified from crime scene photographs that there is blood on the desk and there is blood, there's diffused blood on the mouse pad in the study. So Aunt Hampel, Anthony Hampel, the boyfriend of Phoebe, also said that he observed blood on the computer keyboard in the study when he had arrived home. So the blood on the doorway was tested and was found to belong to Phoebe. The blood on the mouse though, the mouse, the mouse pad, the keyboard, and the desk, they were not DNA tested. So there were small fragments of broken glass on the floor in the apartment's hallway and these led to the kitchen. The glass did not have any blood in it. The police assumed that the glass were likely to have come from a broken drinking glass. However, the glass vessel was not discovered. A glass vessel was not discovered and there were no tests conducted on the glass fragments to determine if they actually matched the drinking glasses in the apartment. So talking to the boyfriend, he did not he said that he did not know whether there had been any further part of the glass. You know, maybe somebody tried to clean it up. There he doesn't know if if it's if there's more parts of the glass around and what had happened to it, he does not know either. So Detective Carrick did not inspect the sliding door in the vicinity to see if it provided any explanation for the broken glass fragments on the floor. There was no liquid on the floor in the vicinity of the broken glass. So people doesn't know if, if it's really a broken glass from a drinking glass. Because if it does have like wine or beer and all of it and all of that stuff, they're going to be sure that these glass fragments down there came from a drinking glass, but they're, it's dry. There's no any liquid substance on the floor. However, Detective Carrick gave evidence that there was some staining from an unknown substance, but the substance on the wall was not tested by the police as well. They were just like, okay, an unknown substance. But you know what? That's fine. Stay there. So when the police looked at the apartment that evening, they observed that there is white stuffing from a cushion and it was scattered all across the floor in the living room. So the police just assumed, they assumed that from what the boyfriend told them, it was the Phoebe's dog that had done this. Phoebe's dog had ripped a cushion, causing the contents of the cushion to be scattered all across the floor. However, neither the police nor Mr. Hampel had witnessed the incident. It was just an assumption. At the time the police had went into the apartment, the dog was on the balcony. So now looking at the security system of the building. So the manager and the concierge said that, that the security arrangements in, was in place when the incident had happened. But it was not impenetrable, as I have said. For example... A person actually needed a swipe card to be able to enter the apartment. But a person would just have to follow someone else. You know, maybe you have a friend or somebody who swiped a card and the door opened. You could just follow right behind them before the door closes and then you're inside without needing any swipe card. Or you could come in without any of the swipe cards when someone had actually buzzed you in. So maybe you are a visitor, you don't have a swipe card, so somebody from the apartment could buzz you in and so you can come in. However, the CCTV footage revealed that during the morning, 
the fire alarm when it alarmed <laughs> on the morning of the incident the front entry doors and glass doors to the lobby opened for approximately 17 minutes and a lot of people walked in and out of the building in some cases repeat repeatedly without having to use any swipe cards or without any record being taken of their identity so when the fire alarm is wrong of course the doors would open so people don't have to swipe the cards if there's really a fire going on and so the doors are just open and everybody could just go in and out without any card swiping needed and another probable uh thing to do if you want to go inside the building without any swipe cards you could just follow a resident into the building and up in the lift to the resident's floor and on the 12th floor where the apartment of phoebe was in and her boyfriends there were no cctv cameras on that floor normally when walking when someone walks down the fire escape stairwell towards the ground floor they would not have been able to exit at the bottom of the stairwell because there's a locked gate at the bottom of the stairwell for example you have reached the residence area but you want to go out but you don't have a swipe card with you you could go down the fire escape stairwell but there's a locked gate at the bottom of the stairwell however a fire alarm had the effect of trigger triggering the fire exit doors to open which would have enabled the person to just exit the building via the fire escape without using any swipe cards so this fire alarm is definitely an interesting part of this case so the swipe there are swipe cards allocated to the, to the cleaners and concierge and their swipe cards provided access to the entire building so on occasion swipe cards were actually shared between staff and there's a swipe log that showed that the concierge miss ozolip's swipe card was used regularly over the 24 hours leading up to midnight on december 2 she said that sometimes staff left swipes for each other in the manager's office and the manager himself said that sometimes staff might have just shared swipe cards. So the apartment complex actually had been commissioned in 2008. As such, in December 10, it was still within the defect liability period. For that reason, there were still a number of contractors on site during doing their work. So the contractor swipe cards were programmed to access the whole building. For example, some lift maintenance workers, they have access to every floor because they have to look at the elevator and make sure it's working properly. And in the service entry, there's a key safe. And this key safe could have been accessed by members of the owners of the corporation committee. So the key safe contained a master key for the building. So there are spare master swipes that were kept in a key cabinet in the manager's office and the key cabinet was generally left unlocked. However, the manager's office was to be locked when the staff left the office. But the manager said that when the concierge patrolled the building, the manager's office has to be locked. But there might have been occasions where the office was probably not locked. You know, it's just a rule. It's not an automatic locking door, so anybody could, I don't know, forget to lock the door or they don't lock the door because they just have to go out for like a very quick snap of the finger. I guess you have to go to the bathroom real quick so you don't lock it anymore because you know you're going to come back quickly and all of that stuff. So there's the spare master key and this allowed entry to the building via the fire escape doors 
and this is also kept in the manager's office. And the spare key to the ground floor garbage room was also kept in the unlocked key cabinet in the manager's office, which makes me kind of like, uh, not frustrated, but anxious, I guess. I mean, I'm putting myself in the shoes of the staff, the manager, the concierge, and thinking that this key cabinet has very important keys in it. I don't know, it makes me feel anxious, kind of like makes me want to lock it all the time. But that's just me. So this key cabinet also holds the resident's spare keys. So it's a very, very important key cabinet. So it is unknown whether Mr. Hample's apartment had a spare key in the key cabinet. And if there was a spare key to the apartment, it was not recorded as having been borrowed by anyone that day. So the concierge, when asked, she could not remember whether she handed the keys or the swipe cards to anyone before she discovered Phoebe on the ground of the garbage room room. Garbage room room. <laughs> yeah. So apparently if someone had leased a car space from a resident on level 12, they would have been able to, they would have to have access to level 12 because how are they going to get their car back? The manager said that he did not know if Mr. Hampel had leased one of his car spaces in the building at the time. So, and if you have leased, and if you have taken a lease on the car space and you're like gonna drive out with your car, you could have just exit the car park without using any swipe card. So that's another uh, way to get out without any need for a swipe card. So the manager also gave evidence that at the time, at that time, a person could get from a residential floor to the car park without any swipe. He said, uh, if you know what you're doing. He said that there was this two-step method by which someone could have gotten onto a residential floor without the use of a swipe card. So the manager himself admits that there's a way. Yeah, there's a way. I, I know. I know there is a way. He said, quote, it can be done, but you'd have to do it in. You'd have to set it up. In other words, you have to plan it. You'd have to plan it very, very well. End quote. And now let's look at the absence of the blood or any fingerprints on the chute, because that's interesting. So although Phoebe's blood was found on the study doorway in the apartment, and of course on the garbage room, there was no blood found on the chute entry hatch at all. So Miss Brown said that if Phoebe had cut her hand because people assumed she had had a cut somewhere on her body and that's why uh, there's blood on the mouse, there's blood on the keyboard, there's blood on the study room archway. So Miss Brown said that if Phoebe had cut her hand and that part of her hand had come into contact with a wall or a door, she would expect a transfer blood stain and I myself am not an expert in these blood thingies but I would also expect a blood stain because just a small cut that bleeds, bleeds, that blood will stick. <laughs> that blood will stick. When the blood was found by police on the door to the garbage room because uh, Phoebe has reached the door, she has touched the door but she had died bleeding out. So they found that blood, however, it was never tested, it was never measured or determined to determine its source, or photographed to determine its source. What is the police doing? So Senior Constable Martin Koslowski, 
who looked at the building on the morning of December 3, 2010 to conduct fingerprint tests, did not recall observing the blood on the door, and there is no evidence that it was drawn to his attention, which is interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. So, Senior Constable Koslowski conducted fingerprint tests on items on the 12th floor, namely the door to the uh, 12th floor garbage room, the steel chute entry hatch, and the laminated placard above the entry hatch. He also looked at the garbage room at the ground floor and conducted fingerprint tests on the door to the ground floor refuse room and a sewage pipe in the ground floor refuse room. He said that he found no fingerprints after these tests of any identifiable value. So looking at the entry hatch, he said that the brushed steel is actually not the best surface from which to get some fingerprints. So he tested the inside and the outside of the steel frame and the senior constable confer confirmed that he did test the side of the open entry hatch but not the interior sides of the receiving tray. He also did not test the wall. So quite a lot of like missed information here. So the senior constable said that he may have found partial print details but they were insufficient to identify a fingerprint. There is no ridge details. He also said that he did not consider it, it surprising that if Phoebe was the one who was entering the shoot herself that there were no identifiable fingerprints because he said that if a person touches something and then slides or pulls their hands across the surface, if their hands are wet, if these hands are dirty or these hands are covered in blood, it can have an effect on leaving identifiable prints. He also stated that actually the more pressure that is placed on the skin, the more ridge details are gone. Interesting. I never knew that. But that's very interesting. So this uh, increases the risk that a blank finger mark without ridge details are left. So I will stop here because I feel like it has been long enough. <laughs> and we, we are reaching... Uh, the part where my research is not yet completed and done and I want to complete it first before saying it, you know, before continuing the information that I decimate, decimate, uh, spread to you guys. And so, yep, I have been falling down a rabbit hole once again. I did not expect that this would be this long, but I hope you found it interesting honestly i don't know how to explain it if i say you found it interesting i feel like that's disrespectful if you found it fascinating that's also sounds disrespectful but you know what i mean <laughs> anyway i'm rambling now it's uh currently it's almost 3 a.m and my brain is slowly just turning itself off and i know i might not be making any sense right now and so i have to uh, uh finish this episode part one now and continue the part two next week and yeah i don't have any hints because it's the same topic next week and yeah if you have any stories that you want me to share or any topic that you want me to research for the next future episodes you can email me at macabramblings at gmail.com i also have instagram macabre ramblings podcast you could also uh contact me there i also have twitter which is maca rambles it's at 
M-A-C-A Rambles. And yeah, you can contact me there as well. So yeah, as usual, I shall remind you to always eat good food. Snacks are okay, but healthy food is also important. Uh, always drink water. Always be hydrated. Don't forget to hydrate yourselves. Hydration is very, very, very important. And yeah, get some rest. Get some good me time. And these days I've been experiencing this weird feeling of burnout. <laughs> I don't know, but I guess burnout is here. And so the feeling of needing a good reset was there. And I basically became a blob that just played the video game the whole, I don't know, weekend. It was... I got into Stardew Valley and I ended up getting into mods of that game and I just devolved into a blob for like a few days of just playing that game and I had this very good reset and now I feel much better and so having a reset having some a time to just breathe and pause is very important and if you have that opportunity grab it it's very important especially for your mental health and that's about it stay spooky everybody and oh the neighbor's dog is having whatever it is he's going insane <laughs> anyway uh if you have oh no, what what what's happening uh so yeah stay, <laughs> stay spooky everybody and don't forget the most important thing of all stay safe bye bye